That's interesting. We just compared Valtteri Bottas to Kyrie Irving. I didn't expect <laughs> yes. that to happen. I like <laughs> and, it though. And here we are. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the You Thought Podcast. This is a special one because this is the first time we are dedicating an entire episode to Formula One during the 2021 season, which has been way more exciting than last year's season when Lucas and I became fans, at least, uh, uh, well, both on and off the track, I guess. So we're just going to dive right in. We just had the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend, and we're just going to do a little like team reviews for each team push some narratives that we want to push. I know I have a lot that I want to get out there. I'm sure I'm Lucas has some it. too. Uh, let's start, let's just start at the top though. Weird to say this. Red Bull is leading both the Drivers and Constructors Championship. Lucas, why don't you why don't you give us a bit of an overview and what your narratives are for there? <laughs> so, in one sense of it, it's as good as a start as you could possibly imagine for Red Bull. Yeah. At least on the top end, Christian Horner having the time of his life in certain ways because you sometimes yeah. get the feeling that he really only cares about half that team and yeah. the half of the team that he cares about is doing great. Verstappen, top of the driver's championship at this moment and it's always been Horner's goal since the minute Max started racing for them that he become the youngest racer to ever win the driver's championship and he looked in a very good position to do that and like it might be an actual possibility. Carr has great pace. Max is putting it to work and with the win in Monaco he's capped off to, like a run of consistently great performances save the Grand Prix before that um, and at, when they were in Spain. And honestly, I thought after Spain, they were kind of done. Yeah. Like, they just got out-strategized. They got beat by a quicker car. But they were, or at least Max was great at Monaco. Um, and I think that it was a bit of a return to form. And I think, I don't know, there's a chance that they can make a run this year, that Max can win it all and Red Bull can win the... Uh, the Constructors' Championship. They're only one point ahead now, which is yeah. very, the, the narrowest of narrow marks. Yeah. So on one end, they're doing as good as you could ever possibly imagine. On the other end, I know Checo is like, he is really underperforming, but I don't think he's been bad. Like, he yeah. had, like, yeah, he's been, he's had a couple of fourth place, a couple of fifth place finishes, no podiums, which is not great considering his teammate is winning races and getting podiums every week. Yeah. But I think there's always a period of adjustment when you're in a new car on a new team. And it's not like he's been finishing, like, 8th and ninth and or out of the points. And, like, he's clearly better than Alex Albon was. And Gasly before that. And so I think that... I don't know. I think he's been fine. Like, I don't think he's been awful or horrific. And I think maybe that perception of him as being really underachieving at Red Bull isn't exactly. Okay, well, let me let me just throw this question at you real quick then, since we're on that subject. How many races do you need before you start demanding podiums and even race wins from Perez? Do you think it's unfair to expect a race win from Sergio this year? Because I, I don't. I, I expect, like, two race wins from him. I, I expect a podium within the next five races. If that doesn't happen in the next <laughs> five races, I'll be concerned. And I expect one win by the end. That's how I'm looking. I think okay. a podium within the next five races a win by the end, and I'll consider the season a success. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. I mean, it, it's, it is, I'm sure for people that have watched Formula One longer than we have, it, it was surprising. It's, it's, it's surprising the fact that Sergio's first win came last season, but I, I still do. He, he has, I don't think he has the best car. I, I still think Mercedes has a better car. We'll get into that, but I, I do expect like t- I expect two wins this season and like a 23, what is it? 23 race calendar. 
Uh, I my like time length for a podium is the next three races. I think in the next race at Baku they have a really good shot actually. So that's what that's what I would expect. You're right. He hasn't been underachieving, but he should be third. <clears throat> Excuse me. He should be third in the drivers' championship right now, like ahead of Norris. But he's isn't he fourth right now? Fifth, fourth or fifth? Yeah, I'd have to check. So I think he still has underachieved. And the thing is, is Red Bull need to. They did it this weekend. This what exactly what they did this weekend is they need to capitalize when Mercedes makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like Valtteri doesn't even finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lewis has a bad qualifying and then bad race strategy, and mm-hmm. and then Perez overcuts him. Right. So that that's yeah. exactly what you want. And that's that's like the kind of weekends they need to do. But the problem with Perez like being back, back in the grid is is like you get a you get a situation like Barcelona, where if Red Bull are ro- running one and two or even like one and three, mm-hmm. and Lewis comes into pit there to do that the two stop over the one stop, yeah. Sergio Perez can react to that, and mm-hmm. then they and then like or Mercedes and Mercedes might not even be able to try it at all, right? So, it's just that sort of stuff that I think he's been underachieving. I think. I mean, hit it should be like it should be Max, Bottas, Lewis, and Sergio like top four. It it should be every race. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen. That'd be boring. But that's yeah. what it should be, right? Oh yeah, I think the the point you made about Barcelona is really good because I think like that's the case study and like right, like what like his underperformance this season. Like again, I, I'm not going to make the claim that he's been horrible, but like it's so evident that he's just a step below the other guys on who have fast cars essentially yeah and and like he can keep up like again he hasn't been horrible but he hasn't like adjusted in a way that's necessary to being on red bull that he needs to at this point yeah and i I don't know what it like i don't know i'm not too into the nitty-gritty of formula one yet where like driving style and all that stuff like where i can comment on that mm-hmm. everybody always says like oh it looks like the car is just suited for max's driving style and the other drivers can't get a handle can't corral it or whatever mm-hmm. i'm not really sure how much i buy that narrative i can get i'll get into that a little bit later with ferrari but uh i don't know i think that probably could be a factor for sure that definitely could but because yeah. it is interesting that like the red bull maybe it's just unfair to to compare any driver in the same car with max verstappen i don't know maybe mm-hmm. maybe we don't truly understand how good max is yet i don't know yeah well, so. i'll be leave it to be seen but uh, what about the team in uh in second place? Which is odd to say, Mercedes. Crazy, it's so crazy. All right, so here here's some some narratives I wanted to touch on. First off, the whole Red Bull is ahead thing, like that Red Bull have the better car is complete nonsense. I'm not buying no, any of that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's a it's a war of words. Like basically, I, I think I watched a video on this from the race, like uh the race dot com. I think is the YouTube channel. Is basically they're trying to they're trying to like jab Red Bull and be like the reason you're not winning races is because you guys aren't smarter than we are, like mm-hmm. you don't have the right race strategy and all that. But honestly, Mercedes has a better car. Like overall, they definitely mm-hmm. have a better car, and they're getting in a war of words off track, which is really fun. Apparently, there's talks that Mercedes might protest next race because of Red Bull's like flexible wings or whatever. Oh, which come I love because it's like. I mean, you haven't. Hamilton hasn't been like super petty or anything, but he's mm-hmm. super gracious when he's like 200 points ahead in the constructors and mm-hmm. drivers' championship. But when he gets down to like the 17th race, mm-hmm. and like, are, are they going to go wheel to wheel and get in a crash, you know? Or like, are they going to get in some kind of verbal altercation? Is what I mm-hmm. want to see. To be honest, I don't want to see a crash. 
I do want to see verbal altercations and like a little more uh, explicit tra- uh, trash talk. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. Just want to see Lewis get pushed, and he is mm-hmm. getting pushed. And I, I, this is the thing too. I really feel like Mercedes and Lewis and Lewis especially. They remind me of Alabama in where when Alabama gets upset, you don't want to be the team that plays them next week because you're going to get demolished by like 50. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like, I don't know, apparently Baku is like a Red Bull circuit, whatever, but I feel like it's going to be a Mercedes weekend and Lewis is going to win by like 20 seconds. I feel like it, I just feel like Lewis is that sort of athlete that like yeah. can do that basically. Mm-hmm. Um, another narrative that I thought was interesting is I love watching the practice sessions because Crofty and Martin Bruntle and like Paul DeResta and they kind of in Karoon, they throw out some narratives that they're kind of spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, during one of the practice sessions for Monaco, I guess Total Wolf said they don't plan on doing any major upgrades to the season's car. And Crofty hi- hypothesized that potentially, well, one, it could be a smokescreen, or two, it could be that Mercedes was like probably I could say was behind Red Bull in preseason testing and maybe they spent all their budget trying to catch up at the start mm. of the season where they don't really have any cash left to develop oh, the that's car a possibility i think that would be i think it's a smoke screen but i think that would be interesting if that is the case because mm-hmm. you you don't see mercedes on the back foot no. as they like to say in formula one yeah yeah all right i want to throw out there too you mentioned okay. lewis you mentioned the team generally what about lewis's teammates how do you oh how gosh, would you assess yeah. his season at this point, Valtteri? Okay, so he's it's not all his fault. He's getting obviously he got yeah. majorly screwed right in the <laughs> in the Monaco Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I wonder is do they have like a second team on pit stops because you never see I've never seen any problems mm-hmm. with Lewis's pit stops nope. since I've been watching live races. I know they had that one back in like for, Drive to Survive season two in Germany when mm-hmm. like there was a bunch of chaos, but. Other than that, I can't think of another instance, which is interesting. I I, I don't know like what's going on there, but yeah. it's not all his fault. I honestly expect him by the end of the season to probably be third in the driver's standings. Yeah, I expect him to come back cause just because he has a better car, and he, I think he's a solid driver. He's not Lewis, obviously, but he's a solid driver still. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? I don't know. I think it's just like, and I'll mention this later when we get into like what's going to be in Drive to Survive. <laughs> I think it's just. I think that their their relationship's gonna fall apart a little bit. Like I just think that like mm-hmm. the consistency with which he gets the short end of the stick compared to Lewis. Like yeah. it seems like rising to a point where it's not coincidence. And like is it is it probably yeah, but it's just like when you look at it as a whole of things, like it's just consistently him over and over. And like even saw little bits of that tension too. I forget. I think mm-hmm. it was it was at Barcelona where um mm-hmm. they asked Lewis to pass uh Valtteri and he like put up a little bit of a fight yeah like, he, uh, he, <laughs> he, he held him up for a little bit and I think that like like obviously like I understand the competitive instinct on that end to like just want to win but like that's like sort of a grading point with the team I think the fact that like what happened at Monaco happened I just think that like again and again and even saw on drive to survive last season there's like a sense of like discontent I think he has mm-hmm. being on that team and I just see it sort of slowly unraveling as the year goes on. Does Do you think sense? like more initiated from Bottas's side or from Mercedes' side? I think I think maybe a little bit from Mercedes, but I think it'll all be played off as if it's Bottas. Like it'll be like mm. the way in which they'll do it. Will like 
it's just hard being a teammate with Lewis, you know, it's yeah. never easy for anyone. Like, I feel like the, that's the line that's given all the time. And I don't know, I just think it'll reach a point of like, Bottas doesn't want to be there. And because he doesn't want to be there, Mercedes won't want him there. And they'll want somebody who maybe is younger and up and coming and more happy to fill a role that is clearly a second fiddle to Lewis. And like, I love Lewis. He's a great driver, a great athlete. But I think having someone who like also wants to be the alpha on that team sometimes causes some tension in a way Mercedes might not want. They definitely don't want that. Yeah, oh, yeah I definitely. know they don't want that. But 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 for Bottas, where where else would you want to go? There's nowhere really better. Yeah, exactly. But There's I don't nowhere know. better. I feel like it's just like a, a like across sports, it's like a motif. It's like it's a trope that never works out where there's a guy who's like a second star and wants to go and be like the one star on his like own team. Mm-hmm. Like never works out. Like the basketball comparison <laughs> yeah. is, is Kyrie when Kyrie left the Cavs yeah. he didn't want to be second fiddle. Like I could see Bottas wanting to be doing that. Like because even if I don't know like how the next years are going to develop and whose cars are winning good, but if he goes to a team where he can maybe like be the guy and then win like a race or two a year, I could <laughs> see him doing that because that wouldn't be like okay. a huge downgrade. Like if he went to like McLaren or something, McLaren, yeah, maybe like a. I don't know if a spot at Ferrari is going to open up anytime soon. Probably not, but like a yeah. team like that, or um, yeah, definitely it'd have to be a top four team for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. We just compared Valtteri Bottas to Kyrie Irving. I didn't expect <laughs> yes. that to happen. That, I like <laughs> and, it though. And here we are. <laughs> um, so getting into Mercedes too. Do you think you know we talked a little bit about how tight it is currently, the top of the constructors, or it's only one point difference? Do you think? Um, it'll be closer in the end in the constructors or in the drivers' championship. That's a good question. I honestly, I don't know, but I I would lean driver. I actually think the drivers' championship is going to be closer between Lewis and Max because I think I don't know. I just don't know if Perez is going to be as clean of a driver as Bottas. Well, I expect Bottas to be, and I think like I like I said, I think Bottas is in the better car still. So I think like that gap will start to widen. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't even know that Red Bull was in a position to pass Mercedes this race. I kind of <laughs> thought like Mercedes really, yeah. already was like pretty far ahead, but there you go. I definitely think it's drivers though, especially like Max. He's been one, two every race, right? One or two mm-hmm. every race. Yep. There's probably going to be a DNF in there somewhere, but that's that's really good consistent consistency, especially considering Lewis. Uh, I mean, he got really lucky by Bottas crashing in the Imola GP because mm-hmm. he got lapped, right, yeah. in that race, which was crazy. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I tend to agree because I think <clears> – <throat> yeah, I just think at the end of the day, Bottas is probably a better driver and a better car than Perez is, and I think that'll widen the gap Yeah, when it comes down to it. So. Mm-hmm. All righty. What about McLaren, Lucas? Okay. What do you have to say about them? So it's been very much a tale of two drivers so far for McLaren this mm. season. Lando Norris has been out of this world, like especially in comparison to that car. Um, he finished on the podium at Monaco and the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, third place in both of them. He looks super comfortable in the car and has beat out his teammate in all but one of the races so far. Um, particularly impressed um, with how he held off Perez the last race at, at Saturday in Monaco. Like his car was clearly slower, but he with those last 10 laps, they were able to hold him off and even put some distance on him in the last couple laps. Um, and because of that, McLaren's just third in the uh, Constructors' Championship, uh, which is right where they finished last year and I think is 
a very attainable goal to have a repeat third place performance this year in the constructors championship yeah so Lando Norris great news Daniel Ricardo on the other end uh bit of a disappointment so far okay um no podiums like his teammate his best finish was sixth Spanish Grand Prix he's also had some pretty dismal qualifying performances um he didn't even make it out of Q1 yeah. for the Portuguese Grand Prix which for a driver of his caliber on a team of his caliber is pretty horrific um yeah. <clears throat> getting into something you mentioned before too with driving style i've heard people say his driving style doesn't fit the car yeah I've heard um, that too. and again i i don't know exactly what that means um so i hope he can adapt soon he's a driver i like mclaren's my favorite team so i mean we'll see where it goes from here but i don't know it's just i haven't been given a lot of reason to, to believe that danny rick is gonna just like pull one out for like the rest yeah. of the season like he just he's just like consistently slower like at the Emilio Romagna Grand Prix where Orlando got the podium um like he was just like he just got like the McLaren told him to let Lando pass right just, like go to the yeah. front and I think that like that's not a great sign when you know considering you're driving in theory the same car and all that so yeah, I mean, I think it's been, I mean, overall, good season for McLaren. They're probably right where they want to be and can for sure. relatively expect to be. They have a driver who's third place overall in the uh, Drivers' Championship Lando, though I think that that is a bit of a fluke at this point. Like, I think there'll be some mean reversion and he'll, like, just because I think Perez will get more comfortable in the Red Bull and Bottas has had just, like, bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think Lando will probably finish fourth or fifth at the end of the day. Mm. in the uh in the driver's championship but i mean still he's been doing great so far for them this year um but ricardo not not great at all that's true so what who do you think's been more underwhelming for their new team perez or ricardo because both like have definitely found success and have scored like a fair amount of points but i think like we've kind of said well i mean i said perez Uh has been a little underwhelming you're saying ricardo has been a little underwhelming so who do you think's been more underwhelming I think Ricardo, just because I think like, like in in sort of reference to what I mentioned before, like I don't think Perez has put up any truly horrible performances this season. Yeah. Or I think that Imola was Ricard- bad. Yeah, he did. But spin, I think, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like generally at the end of the day, like he's getting fourth and fifth, and I realize they're different cars in different situations, but like never finish higher, never finishing higher than sixth when your team is getting podiums, mm. not making it of Q one finishing out of the points multiple times like it's just for me again like on a team of that caliber that clearly has a car that can compete i think he's been a little more disappointing at the end of the day okay yeah i think that's fair and you you listeners got to remember that we didn't watch i mean we've seen formula one drives to survive so we've seen ricardo Mm -hmm. win races i guess in mm-hmm. the documentary style, but we haven't seen him win races uh, live. So, like, my impression yes. of Ricardo is, like, a fall from grace. Kind of like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's my impression of Vettel a little bit, too, where everybody's... It seems like the F1 community is really high on Vettel, mm-hmm. but I've never watched Formula 1 where he was winning races and, like, getting podiums every other week. So, I yeah. think that's interesting. And I'll also throw Fernando Alonso in there, too. Who I yeah, exactly. Impressing him as well, so... The only and impression I, I have of Alonzo is him like messing up McLaren back in. Uh, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> of drives to, to survive. <clears throat> yeah. So I will get to him later. But yeah, I do want to. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's been a good season for McLaren. Like, I'm not yeah. going to, like, 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 say the sky is falling on the team because Daniel Ricciardo hasn't been great. It's in a new car. It's on a new team. So, I think they're mostly fine at this point. Yeah. I'm going to bring, I'm going to touch on McLaren a little bit too, but I'm going to bring Ferrari in this too because I think mm-hmm. the midfield is, or the entire field is dividing into like different tiers. The midfield is is really, mm-hmm. I think Ferrari and McLaren are going to be in their own battle where mm-hmm. the rest of the teams are kind of going to be in their own battle. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, McLaren have been super solid. The Mercedes engine's definitely helping them out. And mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't, ex- you wouldn't have expected the, the constructors battle for P3 to be as close as it is. And as it's probably shaping up to be, I don't know. You don't want to react too much to Monaco, but Ferrari looked really good, obviously, <laughs> which yeah. was which was a shock. But um, the gap between Lando and Daniel is bigger than the gap between Leclerc and Carlos. Mm-hmm. So I, there's going to be, I, and I think Leclerc is going to finish ahead of Lando actually in the driver's stand. I think Land, uh, Leclerc, really, I think Charles wow. Charles Leclerc is better than Lando overall as a driver. I don't know if mm-hmm. he has a better car, but he definitely always gets. Leclerc always gets the best out of the car, and if the car keeps improving, um, you know it could be pretty dangerous in towards the end of the year. Um, so that's what I—that's kind of what I think on terms of that. Overall, mm-hmm. though, the narrative I want to push with Ferrari is how Carlos Carlos signs his team moves. His team moves have put him on the right trajectory, mm-hmm. and he's ascended. While Daniel Ricardo's kind of faltered, I think on his team moves so like yeah i agree with that carlos's last two two team moves he went from renault to mclaren and then mclaren to ferrari both carlos and the team have thrived like so carlos mm-hmm. basically led the kind of like helped usher in the revival of mclaren essentially mm-hmm. and then and then he announced that he was going to move to ferrari and like the scuderia didn't look good last season and a lot of mm-hmm. people thought he was get, regretting his move like three races in mm-hmm. but now he might be leading the resurgence of ferrari too like yeah. He's looking really good. He just got a podium. Um, he, he's been on the team that finished best of the midfield each of the last three seasons, actually. And he oh. has a really good chance to do it again this year, to, to make it four in a row. Mm-hmm. Where When you look at Daniel Ricciardo, like, he went from Red Bull winning races to Renault. That mm-hmm. season, I don't, he didn't podium at all, I don't believe. The they next only season, had one well, the next season, right? Yeah, the next season he had at least mm-hmm. one, maybe two, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in twenty yeah 2020. Now he's going to McLaren and... Like it's, you might you might look at the points. So if you look at the points, Ricardo actually beat Carlos last year. Um, mm. But when you look at the trajectory, like the overall narrative, where Ricardo was winning races at Red Bull, he's mm. by this measure he's going. I think he's going downhill a little bit. Like he's faltering. Mm-hmm. Where Carlos is, has consistently been getting better and better on the points each year. You yeah. know, that's kind of the narrative I I was thinking about that, and then that was kind of the narrative I wanted to push. Aldas, a YouTuber, F1 YouTuber, just kind of made a video about like how Carlos Sainz might have already justified his Ferrari move. But yeah, when mm-hmm. you look at Daniel Ricciardo's trajectory and Carlos's, when you look at Daniel Ricciardo's tra- trajectory and Carlos's trajectory, they're complete opposites, I think. And it's really yeah, I mean, interesting. Because uh, Daniel's been taking Carlos's spots as well in both mm-hmm. instances, which is interesting. Right. Yeah. Do you think uh, Daniel Ricciardo's making a mistake or made a mistake yes. in well, I mean, I think the first move was obviously a mistake. McLaren or McLaren to Renault. Do you think the Renault to sorry, Red Bull to Renault? Do you think yeah. the Renault to McLaren is a mistake? No, I, I definitely think that was a good move. Okay. Um, because McLaren are like pretty obviously on a better trajectory. They have a Mercedes engine now. Like Renault, Renault, 
apparently was like not even sure if they were going to be making an engine still and like a couple mm-hmm. a year ago or whatever. I definitely think they're on a better trajectory. But yeah, like you were saying, the Red Bull move was a huge mistake. And yeah. I don't think he's ever going to get a better car than that. Not I don't think ever. I don't I mean not ever maybe, but certainly not in the next couple of years probably. It's hard to imagine a spot opening up for right. him at like any top competitive team that'll like welcome him back cuz he's getting not getting any younger <clears throat> at this point. Exactly. And yeah, I don't know like what the age drop off is like in Formula 1 compared to a traditional or a traditional an American sport like basketball or football or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like apparently Ferrari were court, potentially courting him or there were talks that Ferrari was going to uh get Daniel Ricardo and like that was the best move and then mm-hmm. it just never happened. Apparently they didn't talk to him. I, I think oh, really? was the, was the story they didn't even consider him. So I I don't know what that says about the way that the rest of the paddock looks at him but yeah it's interesting he needs to pick it up i think yeah i'm rude do you for think him. i think he needs uh, to pick it up i like him too and uh, but do you think he's at maybe a point in his career where he's just like on the wrong side of the hill and he's just like sort of yeah. like he had his best years they're behind him and they're gonna uh you know it'll just sort of slide away after this uh i think it's too early to say like i said i don't know what the age drop off kind of is like like Hamilton's probably, I think Hamilton's older than Ricardo, isn't he? he yeah, must, I think very slightly. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't know. Hamilton hasn't really dropped off with age. So I think yeah. it's. I also think Lando is getting better. Lando's getting way better. Like at this point in the season, he has fifty six points. Uh, at the same point last season, he had thirty seven. The season before that, twelve. So he's mm-hmm. definitely getting better. And it's worth noting too that Carlos never started seasons well. Like this is his best start in, in ever mm-hmm. actually, with thirty eight points. He, he actually got outscored by Lando at the start of the season, both in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. So Daniel could turn it around because uh, Carlos ended up outscoring Lando throughout the whole season, obviously both years. Uh, so I don't really think, I don't buy like that he's too old or like too old to do it. He's just, I don't know what it is though. What do you think? Do you, do you think there's any, oh, what do I think? I, like, I don't know. I think it's just, it seems like there's no consistency in like, yeah. his ride like he just can't settle into any one place and i mean like i i realized that like guys are in and out of cars like way more frequently than he is in a lot of, on a lot of occasions but i mean if you look at like the drivers who are the most successful they're guys who have been there for i mean like lewis has been at mercedes for forever at this point max has been in formula one terms and in, in, in red bull for forever and i think that like mm-hmm. for a driver of his caliber you just need a good situation to be in where you can get used to the car get used to the team and i mean like some of it's just he's in less competitive cars but i think he improved as he went on at renault like you saw like no no podiums the first year and then some of the second year and so i think yeah that's partially to blame but sort of returning to ferrari too do you think Mm -hmm. that there's any chance that carlos outscores the player this year you know i love carlos is my favorite driver on the grid but i i don't see it happening i think charles leclerc is like Probably the third best driver in Formula One right now behind Lewis and Max. I that in my opinion. He always like I said, always seems to just get the best out of like crappy <laughs> crappy like material. Like you saw it last year where Seb uh where Vettel like just couldn't really get that Ferrari to work for most of the season where Leclerc was able to like put it on the podiums and stuff like that. So I, I still think Leclerc will outscore him, but I think Carlos is getting better each year, like 
He might not make the as big of a jump as somebody like Max Verstappen does, but he really is just getting better each year, and it's yeah. fun to see. That's why that's one of the reasons why I like him too. And he thrives in every situation, which is Martin Brundle bought, brought this up. That's why he was like, I don't know if I buy the whole oh the car doesn't suit their driving style because Carlos has gotten better each team he's gone to, mm-hmm. and he's definitely not the number one at Ferrari. I don't know if he's number he's not a number two necessarily, but he's not like the guy the franchise or whatever you know what you mm-hmm. say <laughs> yeah it's not like a mercedes situation where they very clearly are like right their eggs are in one basket exactly what do you think do you think carlos would outscore charles throughout the season i could no but it wouldn't shock me like i think that's the position i'm in at this point like okay if you if i'm like if i'm a betting man and you're asking me to like put money on one i'd still pick Charles Leclerc because i just think he uh, I mean, a lot of what you mentioned that like he does always just get the best out of the car, and he's also had bad luck. Like, mm. if it weren't for this past week at Monaco where he couldn't start, like he would be far and away ahead of Carlos at this point. Like, it's only two points because he had to re- retire before the race even started this week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it wouldn't shock me. Like, he, he, like you said, he gets better as the year goes on. Carlos signs usually does, and he's a great driver. Like, and I so it, it would not shock me. Maybe not this year, but within the next couple of years, if it's a very, very close points race between the two of them, should they both stay at Ferrari? Say again. Um, I think that if they were both to both stay at Ferrari, it would be a very, very close points race within the next year or so. For sure. Because I think, yep. yeah, once they, they're used to that same car. For sure. All right, before we move on real quick, so how do you see kind of these drivers we've discussed, basically outside of Lewis and Max, how do you see these drivers finishing in the drivers' championship between Bottas, Perez, Leclerc, Sainz, Norris, and Ricardo? So I went Bottas, Perez, Norris, Leclerc, Sainz, Ricardo. Okay, I was pretty similar. I went Bottas, Perez, Leclerc, Carlos. So I think Leclerc and Carlos will finish above Lando, actually, and then Ricardo. Yeah. What's your reasoning for that? As I pointed out, uh, yeah, kind of like you said, Carlos just doesn't typically start seasons very well, and this is his best start ever. And especially if Ferrari actually improves throughout the year, which I think they will. Like, those big brands, like, they don't stay bad for long, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Especially for the the biggest brand, right, in the sport. They're not going to stay bad for long. So that that was my reasoning. Although, like, I'm not confident on the Carlos Lando uh, uh, order. But I am pretty mm-hmm. confident it'll be Bottas, Perez, and Claire. I'm pretty confident in that. So, yeah. see how it turns yeah. out. We'll see. Let's move it on to to Aston Martin, uh, who have had not a great season, to be honest, compared to where Racing Point was last year. But they cheated last year, so no, I'm just kidding. well. Exactly. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they kind of did. No, I would not. Be. They did uh, have some controversy, and the thing I just want to talk about this year is, or with this team, is they're. There's a new team name, but still the same old controversies. The, the So back in the, the Imola Grand Prix, they were complaining, I guess, about how the Formula One regulations have apparently hurt low-rake cars like Mercedes and Aston Martin. Mm. Wow, like high-rate cars, which is what Red Bull's design philosophy is, got a massive boost. And the team principal, Otmar uh, Safnauer, wants the FIA to change the rules midseason, which has never been <laughs> done outside of changing nope. rules due to safety concerns. Mm-hmm. And he even suggested, so he even suggested that the rule changes were spearheaded by Liberty Media, which is the media company that owns Formula One Group, mm-hmm. in order to produce a better show. 
rather than the stated reasons of safety concerns, like wanting to reduce downforce, I guess was the safety reason. And mm-hmm. he didn't, he's like, I'm not going to rule out potentially suing the FIA. Apparently. Okay, guys. This is ridiculous. Like, come on. As soon as the rules don't work out for them, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh no, th- we can't do, we, this, this rules don't work out for them, but they're totally fine exploiting loopholes in the rules last year, right? Mm-hmm. It's totally ridiculous. It, I don't think they're that unlikable. Like, I know, like, they got Lance Stroll and Lawrence Stroll and everything, but Lance is actually, like, pretty likable overall. Vettel's likable, too. He's not that, he's not, like, as good as he used to be. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty likable. I just don't like like the whole, I guess the engineering team of Red Bull <laughs> or not Red Bull of Aston Martin. I think they they're annoying in like their desire to bend the rules and stuff. And mm-hmm. suing the FIA is stupid. I don't know. That's so stupid just because the rules don't work out for you. And like they agreed. The thing is, is all ten teams agreed to the new rule changes. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you knew you had time to prepare. And I don't think it matters either. If Liberty Media or whatever, if they if the rules were done to like create a better show, mm-hmm. I don't think that matters. Yeah, I was gonna bring up like I feel like that's always your point that like the yeah. point of the point of sports is to be entertaining for people who watch it. Like exactly. that is that is it. And so if you make a rule change that makes it more competitive, like that's not exactly a net negative for the sport. Exactly. So here's my question that I just want to throw out there: Do you think do you think it's possible? that the FIA or like Formula One was getting back at Aston Martin a little bit for its brake duct controversy last season. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know if that would necessarily be the the worst thing. Like, yeah. I mean, from a, from a, you know, an outside perspective, like the institution that's in charge of something like getting back at a specific <laughs> team is like not a great look. It's not. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I'm all for making sports more competitive. And mm-hmm. so if they found a way to make it more competitive that just so happened to, you know, hurt a team that cheated, like, I feel like I take, like, a similar Astros approach to it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't really mind if they get punished a little bit. Yeah. For cheating. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, it's just been, it's just been underwhelming. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, it hasn't been bad, but it, I mean, actually, it might have been bad. Like, yeah, in comparison been, to last year, yeah. <laughs> um, especially with somebody like Vettel coming in, like, it just feels like it, like you bring in a name, like you're not actually doing something to like improve the team or the competitive nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like bringing in a, uh, in a, a name who like might not necessarily like help your team get better, but right. bring some publicity. Bring some publicity. <clears throat> and we'll talk about the pitfalls of that with other teams later of just bringing in somebody for okay reasons. I know where you're going. Racing, yes, but you're going. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I like. I don't like the rebrand. Like Aston Martin, you don't like the rebrand. Aston Martin's a great car company. I don't like the new color scheme as much. Like I realize that's yeah. outside the scope of racing, but it just like it feels less unique and notable. Like I like looking at their car, I can't recognize it. That's true. I you know? I kind of see them as a Mercedes sometimes. When I yeah. see them, like if they're in like in the shadow or whatever, I'm like, is that the Mercedes? No, that's that's Vettel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the Mercedes down in 17th? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but, like, this weekend wasn't bad. Vettel got fifth, right? Bad. Yeah. And had good, good strategy. Gee. Uh-huh. Um, that that was – it is worth noting, though. That was his first points finish, you know, so. It was, yeah. yeah. Which, a guy of his caliber on a team that was, like, pretty close in competition for, uh, for third place last year. Yeah, exactly. Not great. <laughs> I mean, I don't think – I don't think Aston Martin should have let Perez go, but it is what it is, you know. So yeah, now they're getting they're reaping the fruits of their labor, I guess. But 
Yeah. Is that you got anything else on Aston Martin? No, I think like my overall takeaway, like I said before, is to just have been like underwhelming to bad, but not yeah. like dumpster fire bad, just like boring bad in which they're just like worse than they were last year. Yeah. All right. Moving on to AlphaTori next. Uh AlphaTori and Yuki have kind of come back to the mean after Bahrain. It looked like they were like yeah. looking super good. Like Yuki had like the second fastest runs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was looking really good at the race too. Like he, but he hasn't scored a point since Gasly on the Gasly side of the garage. I really just feel bad for him. He got, he kind of just got lost out in like the dominoes and the shuffle because mm-hmm. he continues to drive really well for what he has, but he needs a drive out of top four team. I know everybody's like, Oh, he should go to Alpine or Renault at the time. But like, I just don't think they're on. I don't know if Alpine is better than Alphatori or has the potential to be. To be honest, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I don't think they are. And to be honest, he needs to drive at a top four team, at a Mercedes, which probably won't happen. Red Bull, I don't think is going to happen again. Uh, no. Or McLaren Ferrari, which McLaren is probably the most open. But Ricardo's got two year a two year contract. I'm assuming. So does Carlos. Leclerc's not going anywhere. So I feel like he just kind of got lost out in the shuffle. And like, I feel bad for him. He's a great driver. And, you know, he comes off like really likable. He's certainly in Drive to Survive, like the, the, one of the protagonists, one of the good guys for sure. And I definitely follow that narrative that I'm, I'm rooting for him. So that's kind of my takeaways on AlphaTauri, though. Yeah. Do you think that uh, with Gasly, there's any chance that like, even though it's not a top four team, he would make some sort of just like lateral move to just try and shake it up a little bit. Like I realize that that's, you yeah. know, there's obviously a risk associated with that, but like, I mean, the only lateral move you really can make, I feel like is Alpine Aston Martin, yeah. maybe, but I wouldn't want to go there at least with how they look right now. I wouldn't want to go there. Alpine's like kind of a big brand and like they've had success in formula one. So I, I, I get it going there, but I don't know. I've never been high on like Renault slash Alpine since I've been watching. I like Cyril a little bit, but like they they dropped him now, so I, I don't know. There's not much to like about them. Yeah, Alpine. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, just moving into you know, yeah, my, me looking at Alpine. Like I think for them too, it's just been a really underwhelming season as well. Like they've just yeah. very clearly regressed again as a team, and um. I think a lot of it can, you can chalk up to like bringing Fernando Alonso on as really. Yeah. I just think it's like, uh, this is one of two instances where I said I was going to like mention that, like bringing on a name just is not helpful. Like he's been out of formula one for, he was out of formula one for two full seasons. He's almost 40. Like he was a great driver, like in like 2005 or 2006. (laughs) Like it's like a, like an era, like not even that I like just missed out on, but it's been like a full, like, 15 years since like he was like a really like since he won his last title essentially and i just it did not go well at mclaren like it (laughs) sort of drove that team to bits and like i think it's kind of a similar thing here too where they're gonna put a lot of resources into him because he is like the name and the history of being like uh like a championship winning driver which like great for him back in the day but at this yeah. point like they're they're over devoting resources to a guy who's not gonna win them anything and i think he's just you know consistently underperformed he's finished out of the points 
uh, three out of the five races. He hasn't finished higher than eighth. He finished 17th at the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't help him that the car hasn't been quite as good this year. Um, it happens. I also think their rebrand is worse. Like, I think the car <laughs> <laughs> looks worse. But maybe okay. I'm just like, I've just like fallen in love with like a certain era of Formula One that I like. What, the 2020 like. era? Or 20 yeah, the 2019, 2019, <laughs> 2020 era. That's fine. Like the, the names of the teams where the cars look. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, Ocon's been nice, though. I mean, he's a nice, consistent finisher. Like, not, you know, setting the world alight, but yeah. he's had four or five points finishes. He's clearly the better of the two teammates this year. There was seventh at Portugal. Like, he's been fine. But, I mean, it's been overall a disappointing season, and I think that, like, you can really overall chalk that up to their decision to bring on Fernando Alonso. Like, there's just, mm-hmm. there was no reason to do that. Like, I just don't think, like, I don't know why, I don't know why you don't go with, like, a, a Gasly or, like, a, like, not that maybe he'd move, but, like, somebody younger or exciting or, like, even, like, someone like a George Russell or a Giovinazzi or, like, somebody yeah. on, like, a younger team or on, like, a lower team who's younger who could, like, be driven to make a difference. Because I just don't know if Alonso's heart is necessarily at this point. Uh, I, I, I don't agree that it's Alonso's fault or that, like, it stems from, like, Alonso, them taking Alonso. Because what I will say is when I know when he got... When they brought him on, he told the team, like he said publicly, he was like, forget about 2021. Just focus on 2022 with the regulations change. And I think you're probably seeing part of that. And I think Alonzo genuinely does want to succeed and like wants to be a part of like the long-term resurrection of Alpine and like their resurgence. I Honestly, I think it's more Ocon. I'm not a fan of Esteban o- uh, Ocon, to be honest. Really? I don't think he's that good of a driver. I know like Total Wolf loves him and everything. I just don't think he's that good. He hasn't really shown I mean, many flashes, not, not even flashes, really, since he's been in Formula 1. He had a podium last year. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, like, my memory of him is just him, like, getting in fights with driver like, Max and, like, I don't know, being off the grid for a year. I, I don't know. I just don't like their lineup. I, I think they have, like, probably the, I mean, I don't know, besides Haas, I guess, probably have, like, the weakest driver lineup. I think their driver yeah, lineup is kind of weak. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah. Not much to say about them. And then similarly with Alfa Romeo, not much to say here, honestly. They, they're like a pretty boring team. Kimmy's Kimmy. Honestly, he makes a lot of mistakes nowadays, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember in Portugal, that crash was pretty jarring. He just, like, ran into his teammate, basically. Uh, not Honestly, not really sure Kimmy should still be driving in Formula 1, but, I mean, he's a fun character. You know, it's nice to have him. And, you know, Alfa Romeo did, did look good in Monaco. Uh, but they're closer to Williams and Haas than like Aston Martin, AlphaTauri, and Alpine. They're not really like part of the midfield. They're like a bottom dweller, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's there's really not much to say for them. They're yeah, kind of... I, I have basically nothing in their notes. Like yeah. they're just like they exist. They'll probably get a points finished every few races. I think Giovinazzi yeah, exactly. got their first points. Monaco, but like I don't know. Yeah, I don't have much to say about them either. Yeah, they're kind of in their own tier. Like they're not Williams and Haas. They're not that bad, but like mm-hmm. they're not fighting the midfield. You know, yeah, they're in a well, worse position. But. Yeah. Well, speaking of Williams, um, it has been honestly a better year for Williams this year than it has been okay. in recent years. Russell made it out of Q one a few times. George yeah. Russell. That's his um, thing now. <laughs> that's his thing. He just does it. Um, <laughs> um, and his average finish is a little bit higher this year than it was last year. He's consistently around fourteenth when last year was consistently around sixteenth, which okay. isn't like, you know, great. 
that's you know slightly better um he was maybe headed for a points fight in Amola too before the crash with Bottas. Um, yeah. Latifi, as usual, is just a, a slightly worse version of Russell. His biggest <laughs> highlight of the year was finishing 15th at Monaco. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that they've had a good season. But I know it's slightly better. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, they're they're absolutely not the worst team this year, which is <laughs> an improvement over the past few years. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't even care about Williams' on-track performance. This is what I care about, is the Bottas and Russell beef. I really mm-hmm. hope this becomes a thing, to be honest. Oh, so, I do too. Obviously, the, the, like you said, the the Imola Grand Prix major crash at Emilia Romagna. Apparently, George Russell went over and asked Bottas if, if he was trying to kill them both, which is uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty dramatic. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, they did get in a freaking high-speed crash, I guess, so mm-hmm. maybe it's not dramatic. But in a post-race press conference way back... Uh, that week, the second race, Russell suggested that Bottas wouldn't have closed the door on another driver. And I think there's 100% merit to that claim. Can you imagine if Valtteri Bottas and Mercedes got passed by George Russell in a in a freaking Williams? Mm-hmm. Russell is 100% after that Mercedes seat. Like, yeah. whether he's going to say it publicly or not, he's after that seat. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the big question. You know, I just want to kind of throw it out there. It might be outrageous. But what if, what if this happens? Bottas struggles. The mm-hmm. constructors' championship is really close in like the last five races. Should Mercedes oh. bring up Russell and mm-hmm. sack Bottas for a little bit, bring Russell up because he did really well in that first race. Yes. He probably would have won in that first race. In not, I honestly don't think unless they plan on making that move long term, would that be a good? Okay. Because I mean, just like think about it. like like I brought up earlier the fact that like I think that relationship is gonna already disintegrate, but you might be able to like. Hold it out through this year. If you do that, there's no coming back from it. Like, there's absolutely no coming back. Like, Bottas will leave. Yeah. Like, I just, like, that's just like blatant disrespect to him at that point. So, but here's, I mean, but if from Mercedes' perspective, like, if they think Russell will be better in that car, like, why not? I would love to see it. And I, it sounds kind of outrageous, but I honestly, like, I think Toto and Toto and uh, Valtteri were, asked about something like this like would Bottas be sacked in the middle of the season mm-hmm. and he was like again the war of words he was like there's only mm-hmm. one team on the grid that does that he said something yeah. like that mm-hmm. um but I, I I think like you gotta think Mercedes wants to win every race in in the turbid turbo hybrid era I believe is what this era is referred to mm-hmm. you gotta think they want to win every constructors championship and you you know you already saw Russell beat Bottas he was gonna beat Bottas without the pit, the pit crew stuff mm-hmm. at secure. I think it'd be super interesting if they were like, okay, we need, we need some juice. The constructors championship is way closer than we thought. Or they're like behind. We need Russell in here. I know they don't want two alphas because Russell's not going to not going there. He's young. He's young and hungry. He's not going yeah. there to be a number two. He's going there to try to beat Lewis. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, total has total has said he doesn't want, to go back to the days of like Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, where they were like getting in crashes every other race, mm-hmm. not every other race, but frequently. I think I think that's an interesting narrative to just kind of put out there and remember. Could could yeah. they put Russell up there? It'd be fun. Like it I would, would genuinely fun. enjoy it if it happened, but I just think that like, especially with Toto's comments about like you know only one team does that, that like yeah. they wouldn't do that just purely for the optics of it. Because like I mean Mercedes mm-hmm. just has the reputation of like you know the cleanly run like yeah. efficient machine of like a team and like something sure. like that i think would really throw it into question for sure all right yeah. 
did want to throw that out there though. Let's let's look at Haas, the last team on the grid. <laughs> what do you I got, mean, Lucas? I mean, what can you say? They're they're horrible this year. And I've heard talk and watched some videos that they might not even be in Formula One I know. this year. Oh, um, which would honestly not be shocking based on things have gone. And it's kind of crazy to see uh their fall after finishing fifth in the constructors in twenty eighteen to now just being like like you look at the bottom of the screen every time and there's <laughs> it's two hosses, yeah. It's two hosses unless somebody has to retire. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nick true. Schumacher, I guess, is a bright ish spot. He seems likable. He is. He's likable. He, he's likable. He's I like him. Likable guy. Um he's finished every single race. Two thumbs up. <laughs> um he's scored a couple of sixteenth place finishes. Okay. Uh first two races of the season. He did that. But other than that, the team is a nightmare. The car, <laughs> horrible. The car is and I, 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 I don't think that they'll score a single point all season. Like no. I just can't see a situation in which that happens unless they like, need Ted retirements. Yeah, they would need <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They would need like Lewis to be on pole and just like accidentally like swerve in front of the rest of the field and just take out like ten guys in the process or something like yeah. that. Like that's the only way I can see that happening. Um, Mazepin is just not a good driver either. Like the the announcers seem to take delight in like what, they kind of like do yeah. when he is not good. Um, he spun out in the first Grand Prix at Bahrain, and they're like, and he is retired due to the fact that he spun out. Like like they like <laughs> they were like just like making fun of him. And then there was a whole thing where he was on tape sexually assaulting a woman, which is not good and just like bad optics that he, he even stayed on the team after that. Yeah. He apologized and then deleted the apology. Really? Uh, with, oh my yeah. Goodness. So like he, he very clearly only did it because they told him to, and that coupled with his just like he's a bad driver, like he's just not good. Yeah. I think is why he should just not be on the team. But money talks, and yeah, exactly. here here is example two of two of somebody being brought in for non-driving reasons. Just I think being detrimental to the team. He's only on the team for like his dad and Ru- that Russian oligarch's money. Like, and yeah. it is of a detriment to that team. So I think it would frankly not be the worst thing for the sport if they went under this year. Like if the Haas team went under. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's a it's a nightmare. It's a dumpster fire. Like they're they're like the only bright spot is Mick Schumacher being likable. And like he's not he can't even prove how good he is. Like I, I yeah. hope like I don't think this will happen just because of his name and everything. But like I hope this doesn't like ruin his career. Like he just No, like, it definitely won't. Yeah, and I don't think it will. Yeah, yeah, and but like, think about somebody else who like would, would be comparably in that situation if they weren't a Schumacher. Like, yeah, their career could be like very seriously hurt just by being on like this incompetent of a team. Yeah, yeah, kind of so. on the Mick Schumacher front. Like, the narrative's already started that like he needs a real drive and everything. It's basically how like right when George Russell came into F one, everyone was like, oh, the potential, but like, they're we're never gonna see it because he's on Haas, right? We're never gonna really see like yeah. how can he actually do in a race. I think he does I think he actually does look good and he, he is like kind of like a Russell where he's like a good driver that's just like mm. not on a team that's gonna do anything and needs to get a, a real car basically to to actually see what he can do. And he's really likable. Um he kinda reminds me of Zion in that he's like so clearly a kid out there where mm-hmm. like I don't know, he's like super like genuine he kinda looks in, in interviews. Super good yeah. English too, it's crazy. He has really good mm-hmm. English. Um yeah. but basically like I hope Here's one thing I do want to throw out there. I hope it's not a case of Carlos Sainz warming the seat for Mick Schumacher. I don't think it is that case just because Mick would be so unproven, 
even mm-hmm. in like if he spent two years on Haas, you'd be so unproven. Yeah. But you know that Ferrari wants like Mick. Oh, they to, to prove yeah. that he could be a Ferrari driver, and they'll they'll mm-hmm. slot him in there, right? Yeah. 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 That is a concern. Or like Carlos has like one off year, and they're like they use right. that as justification to right. like replace him. Right. Exactly. I I don't, I I don't think that's going to happen, but. At least not in like two years. I don't know. Maybe maybe down the line, right? But yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I've never seen the addition of a new Formula One team either in in yeah. my entire history of watching. So it'd be interesting if Haas dropped out. Like this is just something I genuinely don't know. Do there have to always be ten teams? Like if like mm. Haas dropped out, would there have to be somebody to replace them, or could they just like I don't have know. nine teams on the grid next year? I don't know because I think a couple of years ago there was like tw- there was eleven teams and twenty two drivers. So I don't think the number is okay. set. But maybe in like ten's the minimum. I have no idea. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do our own research. Drop us a, a Twitter. Yeah. Tweet uh, at message. us. Let yeah. Us know. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. been a marathon. We're gonna end it though with a drive to survive meter. The reason Lucas and I are fans of the of Formula One is because of Netflix's Drive to Survive. And now that we've we've went through a season where we actually watched the season and got to see the narratives that they kind of try to push in the series. So we're gonna do we're gonna kinda predict a little bit about what sort of narratives they should be pushing or will be pushing. So we're gonna give we're gonna give you a couple uh, events based on a scale of one to ten, with one meaning there's no chance that particular event will be featured in the show. And ten meaning that event will definitely be in the show. Let's mm-hmm. rank these events. So so Lucas, I'll start with this one. Pushing the narrative that Red Bull was ahead during preseason testing and that Mercedes struggled in preseason testing. How prominent is that gonna be? I went like a three or a four. Like That's I think exactly it'll be like, I, yeah. I think it'll be like a, a a sentence and then like a five minute mini segment at the beginning of the season. But just because it's like not sort of proven to be the case that Red Bull is far and away ahead of Mercedes as even within the first five races of the season. Like I don't think it'll be much of a narrative. Yeah, I, I think they'll mention it. I think there'll be some more of words type stuff. But other than that, yeah. Drive to Survive oh. doesn't seem to care about preseason testing, like yeah. on-track stuff. The only reason they covered it in the last season was because of the uh, racing point scandal, really. So I don't mm. think they're really that interested in it. No, I agree. I do, I do hope, I'll say this overall, I hope they focus more on track, like more on-track issues. Like I like to see like them hanging with their families and stuff, but like mm. I don't want them to like manufacture this like random we'll get into that sorry yeah, okay so let's fine. so let's go here max and lewis's wheel-to-wheel duel in bahrain on the very first episode will it be featured mm-hmm. and how in depth 10 yeah absolute 10 nonsense because like presuming this season goes the way we all think it's going to go like this will be like like the starting point of like a title fight throughout the season and you can't pick a better moment right. to epitomize this like season-long title fight than them literally going wheel to wheel during the first race I think there'll be a lot of build-up to it. I think they'll feature it prominently. I think we'll get lots of interviews. I think it'll occupy most of the first episode and serve as like that climax point. For sure. So I think absolute 10. I didn't put 10. I definitely think it should be in there, but I put 7 in terms of will it be in there. So like pretty likely. Okay. They did hone in quite a bit on the first race last season, and they like went pretty in-depth on like the Albon-Hamilton crash and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, if the rivalry continues, there will be plenty of talk about that narrative throughout the season. And yeah, I just hope that they focus more on like the on track competition and like I, I want to see like the interviews of them like beefing and stuff about like their yeah. rivals and stuff. No, I agree. All right, we mentioned this one: Valtteri Bottas and George Russell crashing at the Imola Grand Prix. How much is this going to be played up? What do you think? I think like a two. 
is what I put. I don't think they're going to really focus on it. I think Russell is just kind of irrelevant in the mind in their minds. Like yeah. Williams is not an exciting team. He's not a competitive driver. I maybe it'll just be like in like a compilation of like subpar Bottas moments of the season. <laughs> should it continue to go like as it's gone in the early season for him? But like, I don't know. I just don't think like in the narrative of whatever the, they'll tell and drive to survive, it'll be anything more than just no. Bottas got in a crash. It was kind of a dumb instance. Interesting. Thank you. Next. What about you? I definitely see that reasoning for sure. They didn't seem to care about the secure Grand Prix, even though that was the most exciting race last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I actually went eight. This is oh, like wow. prime drive to survive stuff. They love to play up driver beef, and the, their okay. competitors not not on the same team. Like mm-hmm. they tried to make it look like Carlos and Lando had beef and tension last season, and they're mm-hmm. not going to play up this real beef. Like they better do that. Well, that's there's, fair. That's a good point. There's legitimate beef. Like they better they better be honing in on mm-hmm. this. And and doing a rewind to the secure Grand Prix from last year too, I'm I'm just saying. Alright, uh, listen, I see your reasoning as well. I just I, I, I just yeah. think, I just think that like they don't care enough about Russell like genuinely to put it in there. It, but I don't know if I think they could thread it in through the beef, especially if like if Bottas continues to be bad this season and there's talk of Russell replacing him, like and it fuels the beef, yeah. then I think it it definitely would work its way in. Yeah. All right. More Bottas. What about Mercedes ruining Bottas's Monaco Grand Prix with the pit lane mishap? How prominent do you think that will be? I put that like an eight. I think what? Like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I think that that's going to be relatively highly focused. I think they like to use Monaco a lot. And I think that like at Monaco, this was one of the most notable moments. And I think, I just think, and this could be just for no reason, I think a big narrative of this season is going to be Bottas underperforming and him in comparison with Lewis, especially whenever they do the Mercedes episode. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not going to be. I mean, I guess there'll be the Lewis Max title fight if that continues, but they need more of a narrative for Mercedes. And the very clear narrative for Mercedes is Bottas always being second fiddle at at the team. So I think that at least so far this season, I think this is the moment that epitomizes his just like Mercedes failing him and him failing Mercedes, like that sort of relationship over and over again. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty strongly featured if the season goes a certain way, which okay. is why I didn't put For it sure, like a right. 10. Yeah. It does. It does depend on like how the season goes. So I, we like flipped. I went two on this. I, I oh, doubt okay, any team gave Netflix very good access for Monaco. I mean, I could be wrong. I obviously Monaco didn't happen last year, so I don't really remember what, so they didn't do any of it last season, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think there's a slight mention of it in a Mercedes episode, but Mercedes is going to try to like maybe have some control over the narrative and like wants to focus on Bottas's accomplishments or something. I would yeah. too on that. Not going to be featured. Okay. All right. How about at McLaren pushing the narrative of Lando Norris ascending and Daniel Ricciardo faltering that we've kind of been pushing? I went eight on this one. I think this yeah. one's fairly likely. I think especially because in the first Drive to Survive season, you saw... A very similar narrative with Daniel Ricardo and mm. Max, in which that's true, they like sold it as like, oh, Daniel can't handle being on a team where there's a young star who's better than him, and mm. like that was the whole reason he left. Um, I think, you know, if there's a formula, you stick to it, and I think that that narrative played out very well throughout the first season. Obviously, not making Daniel look good, but I think that like as in terms of effective storytelling, it turned out well in the first season. And so I think they'll reuse it. And especially because, you know, there's evidence of it being the case. For sure. I like that formula pun, too. 
Thank you. There's a formula. You can stick with it. I, I went 10. The driver, like I said, 10. driver beef yeah. is their favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with that, what you said about them playing up the Red Bull narrative with Verstappen ascending is they were really on, they played up the Lando ascending narrative last season. They played that mm-hmm. up. So I think they'll continue that. I think 10 for sure. Yeah. All right. Moving over, looking over at Haas, you'll know, they'll definitely get an episode because Guther Steiner is very entertaining. Uh, uh-huh. Mazepin gets getting pooped on and like portrayed as a villain. I think like a six or a seven. Okay. Like, should it be in? Yes. Like, yes. But like, I just don't think it'll occupy more than a few minutes of time just because I yeah. don't think it's like, it's not what anybody's going to want to talk about. It's like, it's not notable beyond a few things of like, he's bad. Yeah. And he was on video sexually assaulting somebody. And it's like, you mentioned those things both are bad and then they move on to other things because i'm guessing like it'll be a struggle for that team to sur- literally survive this season like yeah. it'll be a a drive to survive and i think that's what most of their episode will focus on and so i think that will occupy most of the episode and this will be like a a supporting detail to the thesis of like yeah like, yeah i i went pretty much the same thing i went three not really sure like i feel like they can just kind of steer away from like controversy on that show yeah i put that down too you know like they didn't really go too much into like uh black lives matter like in lewis like they kind of did at the end but i thought they were going to do it more at the start mm-hmm. so yeah i don't really sh- i'm not i don't think they're gonna really steer into that too much to be honest yeah another good pun <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right last one uh for the episode Charles Leclerc qualifying on pole at monaco and then not starting the race 10 Oh, uh, I think this is like I think so much of Leclerc's story is him trying to get the best out of a car and sometimes getting let down by that car. And I think this mm. is the same instance. And I think as the like transition between narrative of last season of Ferrari, just the car being awful, into this season of like it being better, but there's still being some issues. I think this serves as like a nice sort of like transition from one of those narratives to the other of like here's another case of like him getting let down i don't know interesting i could i could definitely see it and i hope they focus on it but i went three actually it it depends it'll depend on probably on how much coverage ferrari gave netflix for that weekend i'm assuming nobody no team gave netflix that much coverage for monaco but i mean i could Mm -hmm. be wrong because usually i think monza is usually netflix's all like all access weekend for ferrari Mm -hmm. but no, I think this definitely could be a huge turning point for what whatever narrative they they want to push. If yeah. they want to push, yeah, like the narrative that you said about the car letting them down or like Ferrari's resurgence or whatever, it could definitely prove as like a good focal point. And I mean, he's from Monaco. You, I feel like you have to put yeah. that in there. And he, he's never finished a race there. You, you yeah. probably have to bring that up at some point. So Yeah, I remember even after qualifying, like I was watching the interview and he's like, they're like, do you worry about everything at the gearbox? And he's like, I forget what the exact quote was, but he's like, well, after my luck here, like, yeah, I learned. And that is exactly what played out to be the case as well. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So it's tough. It is tough. You want to close, you want to close this out? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the formula one season as much as we are. We're going to try and do some more content with it as the year goes on. Um, Absolutely. so stay tuned. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at you thought sport twitter the same handle it's where we do most of our social um and promote things so we really 
love engagement and getting to know people and you know hearing what you think about sports and i'm sure there are lots of people out there who have lots of great uh opinions about formula one they'd love to share especially all our listeners in baku where the next grand prix is we had eight we have had eight of you in the past week so (laughs) make your make your voice heard uh it's had been quite a european contingent uh during the last week of our listeners based on statistics so keep tuning out for our formula one coverage and we'll see you next time